Greetings and salutations and all that other mumbo jumbo. Welcome to Nostalgia Crew. This is our very late February episode, and what I mean by very late, I mean almost the middle of March. <laughs> yep. Oh, uh, we were just very busy. That's why there wasn't any show in February. So. It's a short month. Yeah, it it is. You know, cut us some slack. Shortest <laughs> month of the year, my butt. Um, anyway, this particular episode, I'm not going to say this month, because I'm, we might try to do another one this coming month. Um, maybe. Um, we're going to review and discuss the one DTV special I have wanted to do since the very beginning of this show, and today we're going to finally do it. You guys will hear about it. A little later on, plus we're going to talk about the Razzies, the Golden Raspberry Awards for the worst in movies, or at least just a little bit of history. No, we're not doing guessing games, Danielle, because God forbid, you know, there's so many nominees from the first one. I'm not even going to make you guess, so. Yeah. Uh, and also, whatever news and our usual movies and albums of the month-slash-episode thingy. So, um, honestly, unless I missed something, I don't have any news to discuss. Um, well, I can discuss some things, you know, just caught up on what's been going on. Mm -hmm. Um, did you watch the Olympics? I did watch the Olympics. Uh, how, what did you think of them overall? Oh, that was interesting. Um, I I only really watch figure skating when it comes to the Winter Olympics. I they they say that you know there are very few people who actually like really are invested in all of the Olympics. They have you know they watch the opening closing ceremonies mm -hmm. and they have their specific sports. And I mainly I watch figure skating and. Um, but we did get a little, my family did get into skiing and some um, snowboarding a little bit. But generally, we just watched, um, oh yeah, and the speed skating. We watched the speed skating. Right. That was pretty interesting. I, I've never really seen that before. Really? Um, hmm. So, but no, we, um, it, it, it's interesting, um, but... What I was going to ask is, what is, because I was actually discussing this with my mom, um, what is the earliest Olympics you remember watching, like, growing up? like the Winter? Uh, either, yeah, winter. I guess uh, you could say winter, because we'll do summer in two years. I, I, mean, I mean, I could do both. I have no problem yeah. with that. Okay. The earliest for winter that I can think of... It's a vague memory, but the Lillehammer games in 94, like very vague. And that's the weird thing is I have memories of watching the Winter Olympics, but I couldn't tell you what city they were. Right. If you give me the year, if you give me the year, I might be able to tell you. Like. 
I remember Tanya Hardy and Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah, that's that's the same one. Yeah, I remember watching that when I was a kid, and I remember watching it actually. What happened? Actually, um, that has been so nicely documented in an Oscar-winning film. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, <laughs> Congrats, Tanya Harding. Your your life story was an Academy Award-winning movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but I do remember being a kid and watching that happen. I wasn't really fully aware right. of what was going on. Oh, neither was I. I do remember, I do remember seeing her crying, though. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing as a kid. I'm like, I didn't... That was a very um, confusing year because it was also the year O.J. Simpson happened. Everything everything happened in 94. There was a lot of confusing things. (laughs) Yeah, I was was, um, eight and a half, nine years old. And there's some special coming on on Fox, like tomorrow night. Right. Let me get the... Schedule. I could tell you guys what. Oh, new Showtime at the Apollo on tonight. <laughs> uh, don't get me started. I'm not. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I was just joking. Um. Okay. So tomorrow night, real quick. O.J. Simpson: The Lost Confession? Question mark. Hosted by award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien. Okay. Never heard of you. The shocking special. Uh, huh? She's on the Today Show. Oh. Uh, the shocking special, O.J. Simpson, The Lost Confession, will air Sunday, March 11th, 8 to 10 p.m. I'm surprised that that's airing, to be honest. Because I remember when I was in high school, he had written a book called If I Did It. Right. That basically explained if I had... Um, committed this crime this is how i would have done Mm -hmm. it and he had a tv special planned in which he was going to discuss it as well but the families successfully got the network to not air it so yeah because if i remember correctly in the oj documentary movie that aired on espn yeah um the the dad of nicole brown talked about like when they released the book they made the word if very small inside the I so it was like if I did it so right no 94 was a messed up year very yeah but the what the fun thing was was that we were still this is an issue I sort of have with I think social media in general and other things just sort of have amplified the news so much that that stuff happened when we were kids and we remembered it, but we were still able to be kids Mm -hmm. and not really, you know, like for me, I just remember, oh, I was watching the Olympics, this girl was crying. I didn't know why. I just, OJ Simpson, I remember, hey, I couldn't watch Home Improvement because, you know. (laughs) <laughs> well, um, and then the only reason I even knew about it in general was because 2020 came on after TGIF and sometimes I didn't go straight to bed 
so I just saw this with Tony Tony. I didn't even know who he was. Like, I just thought he was just the guy that killed his wife. Like, I yeah. didn't know he was famous before any of this, so. Um, I, yeah. I don't remember, I don't remember if I was asleep the night that, like, the whole car chase thing happened. Because I want, because, like, in the back of my head, I'm remembering, and this is a little bit local, so I'll explain in a minute. My dad and I, like, that year, I went to my first baseball game, and I went to the Bowie Bay Sox. That's the, for, for us here in Maryland, that's the, one of the minor league affiliates of the Baltimore Orioles. I don't remember if the OJ thing happened the same day that I went to my first baseball game. I, I, I couldn't tell you. I really could not tell you. I, yeah. Um, but yeah, 1994. The other thing I remember from that year, which is very funny, is that was the year, and this is also a local thing, <laughs> which may not seem that big of a deal now, but when you're eight years old, it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, the local affiliates switch channels. I remember that! And I was so confused. Yeah, when I was a kid. Um, which means that, like, okay, when I was a kid, Channel 2 was NBC, Channel 11 was CBS, mm-hmm. and Channel 13 was ABC. Right. They switched channels. So, 2's ABC, 11's NBC, 13 CBS, and it's been that way ever since. But okay, did, was, did they ever explain why the switch? I don't know. I don't know. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look this up. Yeah, I just, but I remember it because, like, they had a whole special about it. Like, there were the local news anchors, and they were, like, all dressed up at this party. They were like, welcome to the Big Switch celebration, and, like, and they were explaining, okay, here's the lineup of what's going to be on Channel 11 now. And they had, like, the cast of Blossom. <laughs> um, which should also tell you how long ago this was. But mm-hmm. that, that's another thing. It, it was, and as a kid, I was just so confused because I literally thought, like, I, I don't know why they did that. There must have been some reason. Yeah, I, I don't. And it's weird to think about now because it's been almost 25 years since this happened. But yeah. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm looking this up because I. Yeah. Okay, it, here, here we go. I think I may have found something here. Okay, the 1994 United States broadcast television realignment consisted of a series of events primarily involving affiliation switches between television stations that resulted from a multi-million dollar deal between Fox and New World Communications, a media company that, through, through its then-recently formed broadcasting division, owned several VHF television stations affiliated with major broadcast Television networks, primarily CBS. Uh, The major impetus for the change was to allow Fox to improve its local affiliate coverage in preparation for the NFL. Uh, As a result of various other deals that followed 
The affiliation switch is created by the deal between Fox and New World. Burps. Most or the, uh, created by the deal between Fox and New World, most notably the buyout of CBS by Westinghouse, the switches consisted, constituted some of the most sweeping changes in American television history. As a result of this realignment, Fox ascended to the status of a major television network comparable in, to, in influence to the Big Three. Nearly 70 stations in 30 media markets throughout the U.S. changed affiliations starting in September of 94 and continuing through September 96, although an additional affiliation switch would occur February 97. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, I re- but I remember it was 94 because um, we had moved that summer and I, I remember watching it on TV when I was a kid, and um, it was just, <laughs> uh, and um, I think at that point we didn't have cable during that period, so that just made it even more, <laughs> like, oh, and it's weird because Fox did it, but Fox stayed on the same channel. Right. Okay. I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. And it's still on the same channel it's been on since I was a kid. Okay, I, so I have the list here, or, or just for Baltimore. Right. WMAR was NBC, is now, or has been ABC since. WBAL was CBS, is now NBC, and WJZ was ABC, now CBS. But for some reason, and I don't know why, I remember that happening. Because we used to get the Baltimore stations down here. Oh, uh, yeah. We used to get... And, and that's the funny thing. Um, see, Bill and I live in the same state, but Bill lives closer to D.C. than I do. So right. Bill gets different channel. And also back then, the WB only came in... It wasn't like a na- nationwide channel yet. It only came in in D.C. at that well for us. Right. So I remember very clearly because Sister Sister, which was like a show that I loved at the time, moved to the WB and it came on Sunday nights. And I remember being with my sister in my parents' room holding the antenna in weird, awkward positions just so we could watch Sister Sister. <laughs> because... Yeah, because the WB, you couldn't, um, I think the funny thing is by the time we got the WB Nationwide in like 96, we just, I did, no longer cared about Sister Sister. Right. <laughs> because it just got boring to me, but when it was, um, yeah, it, it um, it's strange how, I, it never really dawned on me, but yeah, a lot happened in 94. So, um, okay, so we got, so back to the Olympics. Right, right. So we got a little carried away there. Yeah, um, we did. <laughs> okay, so I vaguely remember 92, which was the Summer Olympics. Because that was, I believe that was the one in Barcelona. And I remember my grandma was in the hospital at that time. But I do remember the 96 game. 
the one in Atlanta. Because oh, yes. I think my family and I, we watched every single night of those games. And the memory I have the most from that was the U.S. women's gymnastics team. As does everybody. Cause, and it's kind of hard to think about now, given certain events. Right. But, yeah, that was mine, too. Because I remember um, my sister, Mandy, and I, we were the only ones left up. And it came down to um, the, the, the horse. Or, no, not the, the horse, the vault. And, uh, yeah. and her name slips my mind. Very strong. That's it. Thank you. Very strong. So, you know, the first time it was okay. So she got a second one. And we're both like, okay, you know, what's going to happen? So she hits it and we're both going crazy. And they end up winning the gold. And we're celebrating. And we go into my brother's room because I shared the room with him. And he was upset. He was like, shut up. I'm trying to get some sleep. <laughs> I remember it because... Um, <coughs> My mother, it was summer, my mother had bought me, I was a spoiled little child, I had, my mother had bought me a bunch of Barbie dolls, and they had Barbie's little sister, Stacy, Stacy, gymnast Stacy, Stacy had a, um, uneven bars, and then I got Stacy's friend, Janet, who had the vault, and then their friend Whitney had a balance beam. So what I used to do is I'd watch the Olympics and I'd try to recreate all the moves that I saw them do on the bounce beam and the vault and all that stuff with my dolls. Mm -hmm. And i try to... Uh, <laughs> um, that I remember... Yeah, I remember... I remember there was also a track star. His name was Michael Johnson. Yeah. I remember him. But that's about it. I don't remember much else from that. Um, and I do remember watching them light the torch. Yeah, I remember that they, with Ali doing it. Yeah, Muhammad Ali. That's pretty much the earliest Summer Olympics I remember. Yeah. And winter. Um, I thought I remembered '92 because they said Christy Yamaguchi had won had won the gold. Mm-hmm. Or oh, no, no, not '92. Um. Whatever. The previous winner Olympics, Christy Yamaguchi had won the gold because I remember Christy Yamaguchi as a kid because she was like my sister's favorite skater. But mm -hmm. um, what had happened was she went pro, so I think we had seen other times she skated not. Right. Um, but yeah, I remember that. I remember. Um, I remember when Tara Lipinski won. I remember. Boy, uh, did she age well. Goodness. My I gosh. I don't remember Johnny Winger. <laughs> um, <laughs> my dad's favorite. <laughs> oh my god. I don't remember him. It's really funny. I never really paid that much attention to male skaters, which is sad. Um, I could only name probably two off the top right. of my head. Right. Now I, now, I know for me, watching it, my dad really got hooked, these Olympic Games, into curling. And, yeah. and it was so fun to sit and to just 
watch it and listen to him be like, okay, he's got to, you know, he's got to get this into the into the red circle there so they can bump the other one and they can get some points and then try to get it right into the middle so they can try to get more points and bump that yellow one out of there. It was just so funny. And during the games, because, you know, we, my dad and I, we would talk about it. He is now interested in wanting to try curling. And, and I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to do it. And the thing that I find most interesting is that um, it shows that curling isn't a super athletic sport. Like, if you look at the men's curling team, mm-hmm. they look like your average everyday people. Yeah. Like, because curling isn't a sport that requires, like, a lot of, like, muscle or, you know, athlete. You could just, uh, they just look like your average guys you'd find down at the bowling alley on Saturday night. Like, it's just, um, which I find interesting because, and I don't think anybody even really cared about curling. Right. I don't remember people getting really hyped over it. Um, so, I... Yeah, um, but I am definitely looking forward to um, 2020 Olympics, but it's going to be tough because I'm not going to go into why. I'm sure if you look up the news, you'll know what's going on, but the gymnastics used to be like my favorite mm-hmm. event, and now I'm just going to be watching it and being like super concerned. And right. Going, oh my God, are they good? But um, I do remember watching the 2016 ones well obviously because it just happened like two years ago yeah uh, my mother and i were in new york at the time we had gone to new york um my um those of you who are friends with me on facebook know that i like i'm in like several romance novel groups and um so one of the authors that I read was doing a signing in New York, and my mother and I took the train up to New York to mm-hmm. go to the signing. And the Winter Olympics opening ceremonies just happened to be—I mean, when, summer 2016 uh, ceremonies just happened to be the day before. So like we had, were in the hotel watching Carnival, basically, because this is in Rio. So yeah. Like all these colorful dancing and um, <laughs> was very interesting um but also that leads into another sports topic because see i just it's amazing february is such a short month but so much happened in february yeah this past february like and i'm here i am talking about the olympics and i forgot the week before we had the super bowl Mm -hmm. yeah because we had talked we because we had talked about on the last show uh, some of our favorite Super Bowl commercials. And to be honest, this year's didn't really live up to par. There may have been like one or two, but other than that... Name anything really that I recall. The one, the, the, the one that I remember easily is the Dirty Dancing one with Eli Manning from the New York Giants, oh, and that's. I just, I just thought of one, the one where Alexa retires. Oh gosh, yeah, that one. <laughs> that that one I remember. But yeah, 
there weren't really any, and and part of it was due to the fact that I didn't really get to watch it in its entire. Because usually when I watch the Super Bowl, I'm sitting in one spot the whole time. Right. But what happened was uh, my my friend and her husband had a Super Bowl party, so I went to their house. But it was a really, here in Maryland, it was really nasty outside that day. Like, it was like freezing rain mm-hmm. and icy. And her and her husband, they live out in the country, pretty much. And um, so my friend's mom and her sister, they're like, well, we're going to just, um, we're going to go home. We're going to leave early because, you know, it's really nasty out there. Yeah. Really so we left after halftime, like right after the halftime show, we left. And I went back home and I caught the rest of it. But there was like a period where I missed the commercials. So I didn't really see too much, but I did catch the Alexa commercial and I did catch the, I did see the I've Had the Time of My Life commercial online later on. And that was pretty cool, but I couldn't think of anything else that really... There really wasn't. That really made me crack up. Like, that just... Oh, yeah, um... Morgan... Freeman and Peter Dinklage and um, That one was okay. I they made it look like it was gonna be funnier than it was, but it was it was okay. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Yeah, it it um, wasn't that good. Or at least but I mean, the shocking part was the game <laughs> which is interesting. Oh, that was a fun game to watch. I cheered my butt off because <laughs> I am a horrible person. <laughs> I am so horrible. Okay. Um, first of all, I would like to say that I am not what you call a hardcore football fan. Which is fine. Bills. Which is fine. I mean, I'm not either, but... Bill, yeah. Okay. Well, if the Redskins were playing, that would have been a whole other issue. Oh, God, yeah. I, <laughs> I would have invited you and, like, everybody else to my house. Yeah. So, like... Um, that will happen, by the way. The next time the Redskins are in the Super Bowl, everybody is coming to my house to watch that game. Like, it's it's weird because my um, soon-to-be brother-in-law, he's from Montgomery County, so he's like a huge... He's at, you know, like, well, Montgomery County area, so he's a huge Redskins fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it gets kind of awkward if it's, like, you know, around here. But um, anyways, I'm not a huge... But I was getting sick with Tom Brady winning everything. <laughs> so I was kind of happy. And like my friend was the worst. My friend absolutely hates him. Um, <laughs> I was just like rooting. It, it had like all this anti-Tom Brady like stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Or like beat Brady all over. And I really think with most people, it didn't matter who they were playing against. Yeah. So it was just like, and I was just laughing my butt off. And my mother's from Massachusetts, so she was like, like um, trash talking through text a lot. Oh gosh. My mother's Massachusetts, but she doesn't like the Patriots. Right. So um, she was just like, my, because okay with that game, because yeah. I have, um, most of my uncles live in Pennsylvania. 
Uh, somewhere in the Lehigh Valley. Uh, I have one that's in the Poconos. One's right near Philly. So, because of that, and also because I can't stand Tom Brady, I wanted the Eagles to win. Plus, that was my my uh, my dad's father's football team, was the Eagles. And when they won, I was just thinking to myself, my God, Boppy, they finally won, you know, all these years. Because um, he passed away when I was seven. So we didn't get the opportunity to, you know, have a lot of grandson, grandfather time, yeah. you know, that others would. But he probably that night was celebrating and dancing up there, causing noise, dancing with, uh, with you know, with his wife. And I bet that was just an absolute ball up there. So, but no, that was, that was good. And, you know, it's like, by, by default, I had to root for them. By default. Like, but one team that I felt really bad for were the Vikings. Oh my god! <laughs> I can imagine. You imagine how bad this is. Like you, your team loses the qualifying game to be in the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl, and F- then you have to go back to your hometown and watch the team that. Oh, I know. Because you know. Okay. Because my dad and I, we were talking, and um, one of my uncles, uh, I think it's my uncle Danny, he's a huge Vikings fan. So, like, my dad called him the week, you know, like, the week before that conference title game, after they had won on the most incredible play you would have ever seen, Danielle. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, And it's like... So how you doing? And he's like, oh, I've had about like four or five Manhattans. I think I need another one. So, but no, it would have been so, yeah, I agree with you. It must have been so weird for those players to know they lose the game, which would have given them, you know, they would have been the first team to ever host the Super Bowl and be in the Super Bowl. And they and they just well they didn't blow it they just got beat by the better team that day so and then like I one of the networks I forgot which one they had flown or they had given this like hundred year old woman who's like a huge Vikings fan like <laughs> Super Bowl ticket and, and then like, they gave and then they gave the ninety nine year old Eagles fan tickets to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Well, at least she, they had a good time. Oh, God. I, I'm just glad that I haven't heard, like, that both of them have died. I'm just glad that I haven't heard that. And also, keeping with the sports team theme, I'm just going to say one thing. Who did it better, Roseanne or Fergie? Oh! <laughs> That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because, okay, 
Okay, for those who don't know what we're talking about, at least with the Roseanne part, everyone knows about Fergie. About 28 years ago, Roseanne was asked to sing the national anthem at a baseball game, at a major league baseball game. And she did such a horrendous job that she got booed out the stadium. It wasn't it wasn't a nationally tele it was just a it was just a regular season baseball game. Um ooh. Okay, that's a two way answer, Danielle. If you're going by intentionally bad, Roseanne's yeah. is, you know, the worst of the two. If you're going, that... oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, what made them think Roseanne could sing in the first place? Like, why <laughs> did they? You know, <laughs> like who thought? Oh yeah. If you're going by, hey, they tried, but it was god awful. The answer is Fergie. Actually, the national anthem sexy. It's weird. Oh my god. Actually, what's so funny, I'm, and it's funny you brought this up, um, because a couple days after that happened, Fergie's thing, on YouTube, uh, there's a channel called Watch Mojo. If you've never watched Watch Mojo, I'm sure everyone has, but if you haven't, they do top 10 lists of everything. I mean, everything. So they did this one of the top 10 renditions of national anthems and Fergie was on there obviously Roseanne might have been on there Carl Lewis was on there that one is bad you should look that one up Danielle uh the worst one was this Canadian lady who tried to sing our national anthem at a hockey game in Canada so she starts and she forgets the words. Goes to the locker room to reread the words. Goes back out, tries it again, forgets the words. Goes back to the locker room, has the paper with her to sing the song, and as she's coming out, she slips on the ice and falls, and she just gives up. Oh, dear. oh my gosh. But, yeah. oh my gosh. It's just, it, it's just really, really weird. Fergie. And that. Yeah. And then Jimmy Kimmel got caught on camera. <laughs> Look, looking weird. And he didn't realize he was on camera until after he sat out and he got all these texts on his phone. And he was like, oh, I guess I got caught on camera. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? Jimmy Kimmel's a good transition for me. Because the Academy Awards were just uh, last weekend. Right. I didn't watch most of it. But I'm not, I'm not going to talk about the Oscars from this past week. Because mm -hmm. they had like a 20% drop in ratings from last year. When I saw this article... I thought of you immediately. Uh-huh. Okay, so a few weeks ago, Entertainment Weekly came out, you know, uh, regular magazine, and it's like 40 pages of uh, the Academy Awards. 
It's a very good read. I wonder, because when I read this, I had never heard of this. I wonder if you have heard of this. I'm going to read okay. the, the description, and then we're going to get into who was in this. The 1989 telecast of the Academy Awards included the song and dance number mm-hmm. The Stars of Tomorrow, Featuring 19 young actors it predicted would win Academy Awards in the years ahead. Not one of them has. Wow. (laughs) They did a musical number. Now I want to see this. But they listed everyone who was in that that performance. I'm going to tell you who they are. A lot of these names you will probably know of people. Um, And what they've done. So the first one, Keith Coogan. Sounds familiar. He is the grandson of actor Jackie Coogan. Worked in, or has worked in indie films. And is recently appearing on Amazon's The Last Tycoon. I think it's because I heard of his grandfather. That's why name sounded familiar. Keith is forty-eight. His grandfather was. Yeah, grand. His his grandfather's uncle Fester on the Adams family. Ah, there we go. That's great. Uh, he's currently forty-eight. Patrick Dempsey, he was in that. Okay. He's currently fifty-two. I mean, he's not a terrible actor. No, I mean he he he's he transitioned to TV, so. But he uh, yeah, but he didn't win an Oscar. I, I don't know if he's won an Emmy, but he should have. Right. Corey Feldman. Uh, he's currently forty-six. I could see why they thought that. Yeah. Uh, Joelie Fisher. Jolie Fisher. Jolie Fisher. Okay, thank you. She. Same thing, TV. She's currently 50. And uh, Carrie Fisher's sister. Um, Tricia Lee Fisher, Jolie's yep. sister, younger yep. sister. Yep. She, I don't know what she's, it, it's funny because um, Carrie Fisher got, if you ever get a chance, um, watch... Carrie Fisher's special wishful drinking or listen to the audiobook wishful drinking, but she eventually explains her family tree and she mentions who Jolie Fisher is because Jolie Fisher's actually been in acting and whatever. And then she gets to Trisha and she's like, from New York? Like, mm-hmm. you know, to say she hasn't been in much because she really... Trisha is 49. Mm-hmm. Savian Glover. Oh, yeah. He's probably the most successful as far as awards go. He's won a Tony. He just, yeah, he just branched out in the dancing. In fact, I didn't even know he acted because everything I know about him involves dancing pretty much. He's actually, he's friends with one of my cousins, which is kind of funny. I don't know if she still talks to him, but when she was growing up, she knew who he was. Ma- ma- mention mention that to her. See if she still talks yeah. to him. He's currently, I, he's currently 44. Yeah, I'll have to ask her about that because t- 
to me as a kid, Savion Glover was the guy who tap danced on Sesame Street. So when like my cousin said she knew him, that was like the equivalent of like my cousin saying she knew Will Smith. Right. When I was a kid. So that was like Carrie Hamilton was another one. Oh, sadly she's no longer here. She's dead. Carol Burnett's daughter. Yeah. She fell into very hard times and she's not here anymore. Yeah, died from lung cancer. But she... They they made a movie, or she had written a screenplay, and I think she died before it... Not too long before it came out or something or other, which mm-hmm. makes it even sadder. Uh, Melora Hardin? Oh, yeah. She transitioned into TV. I don't know what she did in the 80s, but most people know her as Jan on The Office. So. She is currently 50. Yeah. I don't know what she did in the 80s. I'll have to look that up. (laughs) Ricky Lake was another one. I could see why they thought that. She's 49 years old. If you saw Hairspray and then saw, um, I think she's in a movie called, I don't know if she had made Baby Cake yet or not, but Hairspray alone, I could see why they thought right. that. Matt Latanzi. Uh-uh. Um, he's 59. He's most known for marrying Olivia Newton-John. I knew their daughter. I didn't know his name. Okay. And not disappearing. Okay, that was a bit low. Uh, Chad Lowe. Okay. The younger brother of Rob. Uh, the Hillary Swank. Yeah, married to Hillary Swank. That's the only thing. He's fifty years old. Uh, Tracy Nelson. Daughter. Yep. She she's fifty four. I don't know why they said that about her because even at that time she was more known for television. <laughs> but she was on a show called The Father Dowling Mysteries where she played a nun. Yeah. <laughs> which and Father Dowling was played by the guy who played the dad in Happy Days, which just made it even weirder to watch. Oh, Tom Bosley? Tom Bosley was Father Dowling. Oh, I like Tom. He was I, good. It's just, it was just a different role from what I was used to. It's like Mr. C's investigating stuff. It's <laughs> Patrick O'Neill was another one. Oh, yeah, he fell on some. If he is who I think he is, I think, is he Tatum's brother? Or is he, no. He's the son of Ryan O'Neal. Yeah, Tatum O'Neal's brother, yeah. Yeah, I think he ran into some stuff, too. Well, he's currently a sports broadcaster. Oh, well, good for him. I, I couldn't keep track. Tatum and her dad had some reality show where they tried to patch up their relationship and they were just discussing all these issues their family had. I couldn't keep track of who would. But, yeah. Oh, my. He's 50. Okay. Corey Parker. 
Corey's in the 80s, I feel like. <laughs> Corey Haim, not on this list. There, in fact, there's. it reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa's like calling a hotline called the Corey Hotline. Yep, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Corey Parker is 52. All right, next one is D.A. Pauly. Nobody knows his age. Nobody knows where he is. That's very sad. So if D.A. Pauly is listening, uh, hit us up on Twitter, Nostalgia Crew 15 Let us know you're okay. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Join us next month when we mourn D.A. Polly. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, well, I just screwed him. Uh, next one. Holly Robinson Pete. I think we all know her. Oh, she's doing great. But, again, television. Yeah. She is 53. And even at that time, she was better known for television, too. So, I don't know why they thought that. Right. Uh, Tyrone Power Jr. Sounds familiar. I've never heard of him. And he and it, and it sounds like such a fake name. Yeah. Tyrone Power Jr. Tyrone, yeah, it sounds... I don't know. Uh, he's 59. Mm. Christian Slater. He was in that number. Now, he might still have a shot. Yeah. I would say he's got the best shot of everybody on this list. Because he did a movie, but see, they wouldn't qualify this, but he starred in two, um, there were, one of my favorite chick flicks of the 90s, Bed of Roses, which I can understand why that didn't get nominated for anything, but he was in this movie called Untamed Heart, which just, oh my god. I can't tell you why, because it gives away the ending, but just, no. Right. Um, it was pretty intense. Now, he won a Golden Globe, so he's probably also up there as the most successful. He's only 48. Yeah. I thought he was older. Uh-huh. And finally, Blair Underwood. He still has a... I think he still has a shot. I don't know what he does now, but I think he was a pretty good... He, he could come back. He won a Daytime Emmy last year. Oh. For what? The Children's <laughs> Series Give. Oh. Yeah, that's a weird show. It, it, it's like a... It's like an after-school special that airs on Saturday mornings. It does? Sad. We got rid of cartoons, but we still have that. <laughs> but uh... It's weird because you don't realize you're watching a kid's show until like five minutes in. Because it kind of looks like... Like, I thought it was like a CSI rerun or something when I turned to it. Because it's on at like noon or something. Mm-hmm. 
And I had no idea until they had like the little educational television logo in the corner. I was like, oh, okay, this is weird. And those were all the people that did that number that have not won an Academy Award. And I know they're just all very, very sad. So, okay, you and I agree the one with the best chance is Christian Slater. Yeah. And would you say Patrick Dempsey's number two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'm not saying that any of these people are te- that we didn't say are terrible actors. Right, they they're, are, right. That they're in television and they haven't really done any feature films since, but they're great on television. I mean, Holly Roberts and Pete's been on television for like 20 years. Yeah. Now. Like, literally pretty much most of my life she's been on television. Right. So On television now. Like, you know. Granted, it's a reality show with her family, but she's on television. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I saw that article, it made me think of you. It made me think of you. Uh, do you have another thing you want to bring up? Um, Watching Fuller House, or have you caught up on any of it? Or? Oh gosh, no! I am so far away. I'm, but I do remember from watching the trailers. Yes. That um, Steve was going to marry CJ in Japan, uh-huh. and DJ got engaged to some other guy. Yep. And neither one of those happened. Right. Am I in the ballpark? Yes. All right. <laughs> um, but I did hear about Jeff Fisher. Jeff Franklin. Or yeah. Franklin, thank you. I was. He... Yes, Jeff Franklin has been fired from Fuller House due to... It, it's hard to phrase it because it's technically not sexual misconduct Mm -hmm. it's that he but i did read some of the allegations and while part of it seems like there might be more to it it seems kind of weird to cause firing over they did say he was verbally abusive to a lot of the writers and i feel like that that alone should definitely right And a lot of people in my Fuller House group are highly concerned because they think the show is going to be ruined as a result of this. Like, they're, they're still, they still got picked up for season four. They are currently filming season four. Mm-hmm. So they're still in production. Like, um, I follow Andrea Barber. She plays Kimmy, her Facebook page, and she posted she was on set. They're filming. So, like, they're still filming. It's just that... But I really think it's going to be okay. I mean, right. John Stamos is still the executive producer. I think as long as John Stamos is still with that show, that show's going to be okay. And they set up... Oh, I can't explain because you haven't caught up yet. But the way... They, they, there's a bit of a cliff 
cliffhanger sequel hook for season four that sort of brought everybody else back into the fold. <laughs> so they kind of have to really, this season's going to be huge. So there's a lot going on for me right now at this point. The only thing that I care about is when they finally do the episode where DJ and Steve get married. And when that happens, I will watch that episode. Okay, so I can tell you what happened? Yeah. Okay, so what happened, which I'm not entirely thrilled about... Spoiler alerts here, by the way, for those who haven't seen it. I'm sorry, if you haven't watched all of season three of Fuller House, I apologize very much. Um, anyways... So Steve and DJ did get back together. Um, he left her at the altar. Yeah. Um, and then it was even more awkward because Steve's fiance CJ, her daughter, was dating DJ's son, and she took it out on that and wouldn't let her see him anymore, which just made... And it was her middle son who's the more dramatic one so he really did not take that well at all you would have thought it was like romeo and juliet so they got dj and steve back together but then a few episodes after it steve got an offer from this basketball player i forgot his name i don't follow basketball but some basketball player guest starred and they he got an offer to be the foot doctor for the Lakers. So he had to move uh, for a which ticked me off a lot. It also ticked me off because they, DJ and Steve got back together, but there were all these like moments, it was just DJ and Steve, and I feel like when she was with Matt, who's the vet guy, mm-hmm. she had moments with Matt and the kids, and I was like, well why can't we have any moments with Steve and the kids? Like, what's I feel like they should have had up, but they didn't. Okay. Um, Stephanie couldn't ha- can't have kids. Right, I remember that. So, Stephanie can't have kids. Stephanie is dating Jimmy, who's Kimmy's brother, who didn't exist in the original show, which really ticks me off. But he he's a really funny guy, though, so I let it slide, but he was never mentioned in the original show. Okay. Which, but, anyway, Stephanie and Jimmy are dating... And Stephanie wants to have a baby, and Jimmy was like, well, of course I'll be the dad, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Stephanie's trying to get a surrogate mother, and through all this stuff, and eventually Kimmy winds up volunteering to be Stephanie's surrogate mother. Oh, and Lord. in the finale, you find out that the egg took, and Kimmy's pregnant with the baby that's going to be... Stephanie's and Jimmy's. Right. And so, and then to top it all off, DJ's, Kimmy's, um, I don't know, ex-husband, still boyfriend, whatever, is like, got like sympathy, uh, <laughs> cravings or whatever, it's kind of, anyways, and then Stephanie's friend Gia, she has a teenage daughter who winds up dating DJ's oldest son, and she's like just as rebellious as Gia was in high school, and DJ is like flipping out over the whole thing, and like, oh mm. god, no. 
Mm. Yeah, they wrote off her oldest son's girlfriend, which I get because she didn't really do much else with the plot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I get it. And they're in high school now, and that's so Gia's around more. And because on the original series, they had Michelle. Michelle was the one that hated Gia, but since Michelle's not on this show, they right. had to transfer that to DK. So. Right. And, um, it, it's weird because. But I get why they had to do it. Mm-hmm. So that happened. And then um, also. Okay, but with the regular cast, they, um, the last episode was to celebrate Full House's 30th anniversary. Okay. So it's this very special episode of how we're celebrating the anniversary of when we became a family and when Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey moved in. So they all flew in for this big anniversary thing. And this is about the most retro nostalgic episode I've ever seen. <laughs> they all flew in, okay? And they all stayed at the house. So, like, they're all, like, um, crammed in the house. So, like, and DJ, so, like, Danny, Jesse, Joey, Steve, and Kimmy's husband are, who are, are all sleeping in one bed. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so awkward. And then, like, um, they rented a car, like, um, that was, like, the car in the opening credits, so, to drive through San Francisco with, and, mm-hmm. and then, um, they reopened the Smash Club, like, the, the Smash Club winds up being up for sale, so they reopen it, and, um, Jesse decide, and Joey decide to buy it, so they're moving back. And Joey's wife is on the road with uh, some sort of circus for a year. So Joey's got his kids by himself. Okay. So Joey and um, Jesse wind up, decide we're going to move back to San Francisco. And um, Danny and Becky's show gets canceled or something happens. So... Becky is able to get a job back in San Francisco as a producer or something. And Danny, oh yeah, Danny also reveals that him and his wife got divorced. Oh, come on! Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. A lot of people speculate because they couldn't get the actress back after the pilot. But So, Danny's single, so of course Vicky shows up. Oh! Yes, they're right. They're writing all the wrongs. <laughs> but it was weird. It was like for just a few minutes, and it's like hi, and they like showed. They like looked her up online, and she came as a surprise, and so they and she came to this stupid retro eighties party thing they had. And anyways, she's probably gonna be back next season. Yes. So, so because Danny doesn't have a job yet, Danny goes, well, I'm going to move back in the house with you guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, so DJ is just like, oh, God. So the fun question is, where is he going to sleep? Because there's, like, no room in that house. And um, so they're there. And then um, 
Jesse and Rebecca have a daughter named Pamela who's a toddler and does not get along with DJ's son who is wait, a wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Jesse and Becky have a daughter. Daughter. Oh, you how long did you At the end of season one, Jesse and Becky adopt a little girl okay. and you Pamela after their mother. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right. I was gonna say yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> it also, you sh- Pam was black, which also should tell you she's adopted. But <laughs> yeah. Um. So they're all. <laughs> so I mean, so I'd like to see season four just because they got everybody back in the fold, pretty much, and like all this crazy stuff is. <laughs> Who needs the Olsen twins? Alright, I'm I might have to get back into this. Yeah, it's so it, it, it is it's still cheesy as ever. Right. That's just what they do. <laughs> so you might have a few moments where it might get a little too like you know. Mm-hmm. It it yeah, they're all um <laughs> they're all um still around and <laughs> And it has now, and now that they've got season four, they have officially outlasted Girl Meets World. Girl Meets World only ran for three seasons, so now they're getting four. So So that's around. And then the Roseanne reboot, which I will be watching. Yeah, end of this month is when it starts. I'm watching it. Yes, there are some political issues that I may or may not agree with. But it's still, like, it's a family I watched as a kid. I want to see how they're doing, see who has everybody's kids and stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to watch it. But if it gets too political, I might not watch the remaining episodes. But I just want to see everything. Because that's the thing with a lot of these revivals is Mm -hmm. that it's kind of like you're visiting old family friends or something yeah because you watched the show for so long growing up and like roseanne we certainly watched it when i was a kid and i you know it would be interesting to see everybody and um it there's some stuff on it that's going to be kind of sad like i already know darlene and david are getting divorced which but i get it i get why though because he's on the big bang right fact that they could even get him for one episode is great enough mm-hmm. um so i mean I, I but i i'd like to see you know everybody and um so i'm gonna watch that murphy brown i probably won't watch though still can't believe that's coming i i get why but i'm not gonna watch it i now i've heard that the office might be coming back it hasn't been confirmed I'm ticked off about that because they are going to do it with a whole new cast and didn't even bother to ask the people who were on it. Hmm. I was like, why would you even... Now, if they didn't want to do it, that would be one thing. But if you don't even call them and say, hey, would you like to... Come back. Because that is one of those shows where the people who were on it were what made the show what it was. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you can't redo it with other people. Who 
I that's what the whole point of these revivals, why they do so well, is that you're seeing the people who were on it originally do it. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. If Office does come back, and it's right. a whole new cast, would that not technically be considered bringing it back? Because you're doing a whole new cast. That'd be a spinoff. To a degree. Yeah, to a degree. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Or a remake? Hmm. That's a good question. Somebody somebody might have to answer that. And also, the revival remake trend has continued into Hollywood because they are remaking the classic 1987 film Overboard, which I... Well, the thing there with... Hollywood doing remakes, that's always been a thing. I'm I'm not yeah, upset yeah. about that. Yeah, I just I, I just feel like overboard, you had a movie where they had a real life couple playing the couple and you're gonna try to recreate that kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> yeah. Like although my one friend is super thrilled because it's on affairs and she's hilarious. Yeah. But, you know. I I'll watch it, but it, it, you can't Right. Yeah, I don't know. It, the office at a lot of these finales, they don't really pay these revivals. They don't really pay attention to what happened in the episode, you know, when it actually ended. And although Roseanne, I kind of, it, it's weird, but I get they they have a lot they have to write around. Mm. Will and Grace, they did too, and um. Full House, they lucked out in that they didn't really have to write around too much. Yeah, the only thing um, they had because, to, only thing they had to write oh, over was the the uh, Michelle. Yeah, just where's Michelle? But the fact that also they had enough time pass through where you could just easily say she's an adult, you know, shouldn't have to be there. Um, so that helped out a lot. But with the office. Actually, the office it could still work because the majority of a good portion of them were still working there when it ended. Mm-hmm. If, except although Jim and Pam were like the reason why like half the people watched that show moved away. So right. Uh, and given what, it would be kind of sad to say that they moved back because they were doing well. <laughs> Of course, John Krasinski's a major Hollywood star now. They couldn't get him back. Hmm. That's very true. And Jenna Fisher has a new show on ABC. So yeah, that's going to be coming out real soon as well. So I don't know if I'll watch it, but... It could be good. I know... Yeah. I, I know... Because I do a fantasy TV draft every summer. Right, I remember, yeah. Um... Which, for all of you that don't know, that's a long story. I'll explain another time and day. Um, that was one of my picks for the draft. So, hopefully yeah, it does well. It's, it's a show called Splitting Up Together. And they're like a divorced couple who decides to still live together for the sake of the kids. Or something like that. Yeah. So, we'll see. I feel like I've seen before, but hey. <laughs> should be interesting. Yeah, it should be. So, I, yeah, I... 
So I'm like 50-50 with revivals. Like, it depends on who's there, what it's about, mm-hmm. what, you know. Um, it's. I also heard that they might be reviving the 90s sitcom Martin, which will be weird. Um, do we really need that? I, there's a couple issues. Not him in general, because he, well, kind of. <laughs> I think he's hilarious. I love him. But the problem is that him and Tisha Campbell, who played it, they had some serious issues towards the end of the run, which resulted in her having to leave the show. Mm-hmm. Or or they couldn't be filmed together in the same scenes. Like, it was some serious stuff. And then also the fact that one of the other cast members is dead now, so you get to yeah. know that. So, I don't know. That, that's... <sighs> we shall see you. Yes, indeed oh, yeah, we shall. Oh, yeah, and the new American Idol comes on tomorrow. I don't uh, care. Yeah. Who do. <laughs> I'll pass. <laughs> All right. Um, so, last episode, we had talked about the Razzie Awards. Mm-hmm. for And it's pretty well known, I think. But to the few of you who don't know what they are, uh, the Razzies, or the Golden Raspberry Awards, was basically a takeoff of the Academy Awards. Where, with the Golden Raspberry, they honored the worst in movies. And this was created by a gentleman... By the name of John Wilson, who thankfully is still alive. He's 63 years old. And he created this as a way, like I said, to make fun of the Academy Awards by honoring the worst. Mm -hmm. And it has gone on to become this sort of cult-like status where, in a way, those awards are sort of anticipated, you know, as far as who's going to get nominated and stuff. So, I thought, and we were going to discuss this, why not go back to the very first one that took place and see where they've come since. So... I have the the whole page of the first Razzies. This award ceremony, in quotes, I'm going to say, took place on March 31st, 1981, which was the same day as the Academy Awards that year. How interesting. Um, this was not held in a theater or an auditorium, but in fact was held in John Wilson's living room alcove. Mm. Yes. So, so yes, they have. They have come so far. So, uh, gotta go through who won and the other nominees. Um, so we'll start with Worst original song. The worst original song. Now, like I said in the beginning, I'm not going to force Danielle to pick. I'm not going to make her guess. 
that yeah. that gimmick has gone and passed at this point. <laughs> the winning song was "The Man with Bogart's Face" from "The Man with Bogart's Face." Yeah, I would not have guessed that. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of either of those things. I know. Other songs that were nominated included You Can't Stop the Music from Can't Stop the Music, Suspended in Time from Xanadu, Where Do You Catch the Bus for Tomorrow from A Change of Seasons, and You Baby Baby from The Jazz Singer. Oh, but Mm -hmm. it just begins, folks. Next category... Worst screenplay. The winner can't stop the music. Yeah, I can see how that. And I can't wait to there. can't wait to tell you all who was in that one. Um, other nominees for that one included a change of seasons, cruising, the formula, it's my turn, middle age crazy, raise the Titanic, touched by love, windows. And Xanadu. Oh. Uh, then we have Worst Director. The winner for that was Grobert. Wow. Grobert Greenwald. <laughs> no, it's Robert Greenwald for Xanadu. Other nominees included John Avildsen for The Formula, Brian De Palma for Dress to Kill, William Friedkin for Cruising, Sidney Fury and Richard Fleischer for The Jazz Singer, Stanley Kubrick for The Shining. Are you kidding me? That's surprising. Michael Ritchie for The Island, John Trent for Middle Age Crazy, Nancy Walker for Can't Stop the Music, and Gordon Willis for Windows. Nancy Walker was in Can't Stop the Music? She directed the movie. Nancy Walker? That's what I got. Okay. Uh, Next category was Worst Supporting Actor. The Or Worst Supporting Actress, pardon me. The winner was Amy Irving in Honeysuckle Rose. The nominees included Elizabeth Ashley... George Stanford Brown in drag. That's what it said in in the parentheses. In drag. Uh, That was for Stir Crazy. Elizabeth Ashley was for Windows. Betsy Palmer, Friday the 13th. And Marilyn Sokol for Can't Stop the Music. Worst supporting actor, we had a tie. Oh, goody, we had a tie. <clears throat> the co-winners were John Adams in Gloria and Sir Lawrence Olivier in The Jazz Singer. Mm-hmm. Pip-pip chivio and all that. Uh, the other nominees included Marlon Brando in The Formula, Charles Grodin in Seems Like Old Times, and David Selby in Raise the Titanic. Uh, next category, the worst actress. The winner in that category, 
Brooke Shields for the Blue Lagoon. That was a pretty bad movie. <laughs> Very creepy. It, it is, but she was good looking in that movie, like I said in the past. Yeah, like, um, real quick, uh, Seventeen Magazine, when I was a teenager, did a whole article about, they're trying to get, um, you know, teenagers interested in older movies. Some of them weren't, you know, what you call, like, classics, like Gone with the Winter or anything, but just older movies in general, and they mentioned that one, and they described sort of the plot, you know, the basis right. of the plot, and they're, you know, and they always had a little thing saying, why would you find this interesting? And the hook they did was, can you imagine being stranded on a deserted island with your half-naked crush? So I saw it. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, essentially, that is what happens, but they didn't mention that it happened when they were kids. Like early teens. They're little kids. When it happens. They just grow up. So. Um, as is. In most situations. If you're a kid. And you grow up. On an island. And aren't educated. About certain things. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It is. <laughs> Uh, nominees, other nominees in that category include Nancy Allen in Dress to Kill, Faye Donaway in The First Deadly Sin, Shelley Duvall in The Shining, wow, Shining again, Farrah Fawcett in Saturn 3, Sandra Locke in Bronco Billy, Olivia Noonan-John in Xanadu, Valerie Perrine in Can't Stop the Music, Deborah Raffin in Touched by Love, and Talia Shire in Windows. Shire really went downhill. Hmm. Uh, this 1980, you said? Yeah, yeah. This was for the 1980 movie year. Okay, because there was one that I was confused about, but okay, that makes sense. Uh, next category: worst actor. The winner in that category was Neil Diamond in The Jazz Singer. Everywhere around the world, they come into America and watch my movie. Uh, the nominees, including uh, Mr. Diamond included, Michael Beck in Xanadu, Robert Blake in Coast to Coast, Michael Caine in Dress to Kill and the Island, Kirk Douglas in Saturn 3, Richard Dreyfus in The Competition, Anthony Hopkins in A Change of Seasons, Bruce Jenner... Not Caitlin, Bruce Jenner in Can't Stop the Music. I don't know how he got that role. And Sam J. Jones in Flash Gordon. And the final category, the worst picture of the year. I'll just read the other nominees before the winner. Uh, other nominees include Cruising, The Formula, Friday the 13th, The Jazz Singer, The Nude Bomb, Raise the Titanic, Saturn 3. Windows and Xanadu, but the winner for worst picture of the year can't stop the music. Mm -hmm. And why wouldn't it when you have such actors as Steve Gutenberg, uh, the previously mentioned Valerie Perrine and Bruce Jenner, Paul San, Tammy Grimes, The Village People, and so many more. 
and this movie ran two hours four minutes. <laughs> Had a twenty million dollar budget, made two million dollars at the box office. <laughs> Damn! Now I need to see that movie. Um, so, um, so they had, uh, over the past weekend, the 38th Razzie Awards, since we're talking about the first one, um, we'll go through those, uh, the winners in that real quick. Um, the Razzie Redeemer Award, this is a new category that they've come up with the past several years. It's basically... Somebody who has done such bad work that they got nominated for a Razzie that they end up doing something good in the movies. Excuse me. And they're like, here, here's an award to redeem yourself for all the bad shit you've done. So the winner for that was A Safe Hollywood Haven. Uh-huh. For all the bad things that happen. Uh, okay, now let's get to the real categories. Uh, the Raz. Well, okay, that wasn't. Um, sorry about that. Uh, the Razzie nominee, so Ron and you loved it, went to Baywatch the movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, worst screenplay was the Emoji movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> worst. Prequel, remake, ripoff, or sequel went to Fifty Shades Darker. Mm. I saw Fifty Shades Freed a few weeks ago. Uh, not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot of innuendos and sex and stuff. Not what I thought, but anyway. Worst screen combo went to any two obnoxious emojis from the Emoji Movie. <laughs> Uh, worst supporting actress went to Kim Basinger for Fifty Shades Darker. Worst supporting actor went to Mel Gibson for Daddy's Home 2. Was it really that bad? Worst actress went to Tyler Perry for Boo 2 of Medea Halloween. (laughs) Yep, a man won a woman's award, folks. Just remember that. Uh, Worst actor went to Tom Cruise for The Mummy. Worst director went to Tony Leondis for The Emoji Movie. And the worst picture of the year, The Emoji Movie. Does it really surprise you The Emoji Movie won all those awards? Huh, so, yeah, you know, I would like to see one year where the Razzies are shown on TV. I think I, I think it's gotten to the point where mm-hmm. they, like, it's so well known that they, they, it's like they have earned the right, I think, to have get some type of, uh, you know, some TV channel should air that. Just for fun. But, 
Uh, we'll never know, I guess. We'll yeah. never know. All right. So, uh, now we're going to get into this review. And this is one, like I said, I have waited a long time. I mean, a long time to do. Basically since, really since we started doing this almost three years ago, Danielle. Um, so, for those of you who are new, Danielle and I, we grew up on Disney. Straight up. And one of the things that I loved when I was a kid was DTV, which was Disney's take of MTV. And they came out with video cassettes, and they actually had done specials. They had done three specials on NBC. We have reviewed DTV Doug on Valentine in the past, and we've reviewed DTV Monster Hits. But there is one that we have not reviewed. And to me, it's the creme de la creme, the crown jewel, the, the, um, sort of the holy grail, I think. And it is DTV Valentine. This is the very first one. This is the one, that was, this was the first special they did. Um, and this one was something that I watched all the time as a kid, Danielle. So much that I wore the tape out. Wow. But I still have the tape because I want to be paired with the tape. So when I go to heaven, there's a VCR up there and I put that tape in and the tape works when I'm up there in heaven. So... Um, so, Danielle watched a little bit of it. She didn't watch all of it. Yeah. Which is okay. I know. I, I like looking through it right now. Yeah. But, um, and with original commercials, too. Which yes. Sad. Watching these old commercials always makes me so sad. Uh. Because there's all the stuff that I remember that isn't around anymore. Right. Now, I, okay, and I'm glad you brought up the commercial because what we're gonna wa- or what I'm what we're gonna review is a repeat of this. And to set the stage up, when this originally aired, Valentine's Day, 1986, it was called DTV Valentine. However. In subsequent airings, it was rebranded, and this is what it was called for this particular review, Disney's DTV Romancing. So you could go either way. We're going to go with DTV. I'm going to go with DTV Valentine. If I slip up and say Romancing, that's fine too. I'm not going to kill myself. So let's talk about those commercials, Danielle. Are you ready for the Saturday Morning Cartoon Show Laser Tag Academy? I've never heard of that. Because <laughs> it's on Saturday mornings on NBC. I've never. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I think it's one of those cartoons that lasted only a season. Because I have never 
like, I'm looking it up now, and, oh, barely. <laughs> it ran for 13 episodes, so it was over by December. <laughs> like, barely. And, um, and it would... I just looked this up on Wikipedia because I'm curious because I've never seen a cartoon about laser tag ever. And there was another laser tag um, related series that aired the same year in syndication called Photon. Oh gosh. And it's, oh god. Now I can see why this lasted 13 episodes. The premise of this show is Jamie Duran, the laser tag champion of that era traveled back in time from the year 3010 to the 1980s to help her ancestors. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, God, they needed protection from a master criminal from the year 2061 who was unwittingly revived from suspended animation by their teacher after he ended up in that state following a spaceship hijacking accident that caused the spaceship to crash into the Atlantic and was kept in suspended animation due to the gas that was accidentally set off. What? Oh my god. How is this a Saturday morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh! Like, I, I don't even... Um, oh wow, and there are home video. that was released on home videos and it was briefly rerun on the Sci-Fi Channel. Okay. Thankfully, not on DVD or Blu-ray. Oh, God. Just, how in the world? And, like, they had, like, a good cast. Like, they had, like, well, if you are, like, me and are familiar with a lot of um, animation voices, like, they had Tress McNeely and Frank Welker. Who right. And they also had, and they also had Don LaFontaine, who, he's, um, you know, in a world where such and such happens, and he was Nick. He's the movie trailer guy? Yeah, the movie trailer guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. The voice of God, as he was called. And it was from Ruby Spears Productions, who put out some great, like, they did the chipmunks, so you would think that, like... Wow. They would have done a decent show, but my God. I mean, uh, I mean, at least Photon was, it, oh, Photon was a live action show that was tied into the chain of laser tag arenas, Photon laser tag. They must have went out of business before I was old enough to know, because mm -hmm. <laughs> I certainly didn't know what that was. Oh my! Yeah, yeah, they they sold them off in '89. Yeah, no wonder I know what that was. Okay. Um, and then we also had a commercial for Amazing Stories. Yeah. That lasted a little while, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. So we get local commercials. We're not going to bring those up. We're just going to talk about the national commercials. Um. Mm -hmm. So we begin. Uh, with Jiminy Cricket talking to some stuffed uh, friends in a room and he pulls out a record and he starts playing the record and it goes into our first song 
the Shoop Shoop song, It's In His Kiss by Betty Everett. Mm-hmm. Um, this was where I first heard this song, was this special when I was a kid. Um, but I do remember it on The Simpsons in that episode where uh, Homer befriends a guy that he later finds out is gay. Oh, I don't remember that song from it, but makes sense. Uh, I remember it from... There were so many things. I remember it from... Um, well, first of all, I was heavy into old... Well, still into oldies music. But a lot of the ways I got into oldies music was from those Time Life collection commercials they used to do. Right. And I remember them having that song. And I also remember Cher did a cover of it. Oh, God. And- Cher did a cover of it for the movie Mermaids, which she was in that takes place in the 60s. And um, she's going to be in Mamma Mia 2 this summer. Yeah. There you go. There's your there's your winner for the Razzies next year. And she's playing Meryl Streep's mother. So oh, my God. Try, oh. try and figure that one out. <laughs> That's what but, Botox will do to you kids. Mamma Mia is one of those movies... Where I think it was just the cast genuinely had fun making it, so they didn't really care. <laughs> but, yeah, try processing that Meryl Streep and Pierce Brosnan had a kid, and that Cher is her mother. Just let that all sink in. And my dad is... And my dad's such a huge ABBA fan. <laughs> I also apologize to any ABBA fans for me. Uh. Because I'm sure that was not an easy film for me. I'm sure it wasn't. It it wasn't for me. Uh, So after that video, we have Professor Ludwig von der Eyck. I remember him. Uh, Now this actually is one of the last times that the original voice of Ludwig von der Eyck, um, Paul Fries, would Mm -hmm. do his voice in this. And he tries working out his TV, and he basically destroys the TV, but when he hits it, it starts working, because, you know, cartoons. Uh, So they run down who's going to be on there. We'll save the surprises for you guys so you, you know, find out a little later. Then we get a commercial for High C. But you see, but you see, Danielle... They don't come in 8-packs or 10-packs. They come in a 9-pack. A 9-pack. I'm trying to remember if we ever had a... And while we're on the topic of high C, McDonald's, how dare you take away the high C orange? That was my go-to drink. How it dare you? How dare you? It was sir. Heck, I remember when high C boxes had actual real pictures of fruit on them. Like now, somewhere when I was either in elementary school or middle school, they start, I don't know what they look like now because it's been so long since I've had a high C juice box. But when I was a kid, high C juice boxes had actual photographs of fruit on them. Like it was, if you had the grape, there was a photograph of a bunch of grapes. But then... Later on, they just made them all yellow boxes and just drew drew pictures, like um, cartoonish looking. As an uncle of four nephews, 
and I'm sure down the road you will be an aunt of yeah. X amount. I could tell you, there's still the yellow boxes. There's still yellow boxes. There's still yeah. the yellow boxes. But when I was real little, right. they were like different colored boxes with photographs on them. Right. Yeah. Uh, then we also get a commercial for grape nuts. They're still around. Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's really all we have to say about post grape nuts. Uh. Things that I remember as a kid thinking that it was something that only old people ate. Oh man, mine was shredded wheat. That was my old person cereal thought. But <laughs> uh, then we have Mickey and Donald coming on stage, and Donald's going to present the next song. But he talks about how he's the greatest lover in Hollywood, and how no one can understand him. Yeah. About that. So he get. I'll go ahead. There's another Disney special that kind of goes into... I don't know if we ever reviewed it, but there's one called From Disney With Love. Yeah, we did that last year. Oh, we did do that last year. Yeah, and it has Donald Duck and Daisy, and it basically... It's, um... (laughs) Well, it shows you just how misunderstood he is. Yeah. In general, but yeah. So, uh, after Donald gets pulled off the stage, we go to our next song, and it's Stevie Wonder with I Just Called to Say I Love You, the only Academy Award winning song in this special. Oh, God. Uh, I, I like the video. Yes. Because it, 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 it's basically a lot of the... Cup Disney couples that we knew and they either get married or make out and that's basically the gist of that video pretty much so after that song ends the previously mentioned by Danielle cartoon about Donald and Daisy and Donald not being understood plays there's a whole bunch of them. Like, um, from Disney with Love played a bunch of them together as, like, a um, sequence. And I thought it was all one big cartoon. It was all one. Like, they played several clips together to show, to make it look like um, Donald and Daisy had gotten married and all the stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. And that all the cartoons subsequently were taken were taking place after they got married and right. I didn't realize it was all just um, but yeah there are several cartoons if you if you go with classic Donald because like in the 90s it was I think they were like well we can't make her look like this poor put upon person who <laughs> so she gets kind of snarky mm-hmm so this is the one where Donald pays another duck that looks like him. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I almost said another guy, but right. caught myself. <laughs> so we get... Take- yeah, we get little snippets there. Oh, that was so sad. <laughs> uh, 
So after that, uh, Jiminy Cricket tells us our next guests are our pals, Chip and Dale. And I think to myself, how dare you to tell me that Chip and Dale are my friends, you little cricket. Yeah, how dare you? You don't know me. Chip and Dale may have never been my friend. Yeah, fool. So anyway, uh, I'll go ahead. So, uh, one of them, I believe it's Chip, talks about how they've become fans of Madonna. <laughs> yeah. What's 1986? Yeah, but two guys admitting they're fans of Madonna? Everybody loved her then. Exactly. Then. Yeah, now it's a little touch and go, but right. but at that time she was huge. She was, and the and song that, and the song they used for this one is "Dress You Up," which if what? I if I was a Madonna fan, that would be my favorite Madonna song. But it's I, a very catchy song. It is, and the cartoon that they use for this one is the one where Chip and Dale they go to a club to meet this girl named Clarice not knowing that the other also has the same interest and at the end they end up having a threesome very progressive Disney yeah okay very progressive. they okay they didn't have a threesome but it's implying it's implying yes thank you it is implying we are implying that... which is probably why this tube would air now <laughs> Uh, among other legal reasons. But if they could legally, <laughs> they wouldn't. Right. Like, you know, like some of those older Looney Tunes ones have to have a disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Like, they don't play Speedy Gonzalez cartoons anymore. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole... Re that, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> so, after that... We find out that Pongo and Percy and some of the Dalmatians are watching this. And Pongo asks the kids if they want to know about how their parents met each other. And I'm thinking, boy, that'll be the shortest story ever. Whole 30 seconds. Uh, but no, they show the clip from uh, 101 Dalmatians where they are on the walk and they end up meeting each other. And the two people whose names we don't remember... Uh, end up in the river or lake and they end up laughing. Motion picture version's better. Anyways. Really? Uh, Ooh, that might be an interesting debate. Well, uh, okay. That part in the motion picture okay. version. Okay. No, that would be an interesting debate to have. Yeah, it, it would be, except I, ha I haven't seen the animated version in like 25 years, so hmm. I can't really tell you. <laughs> So, after that, uh, we have Professor uh, Von Drake back with us, and he tells us how one of the many things that has helped love is Vrakenvol. So, this leads into our next song, which is The Stray Cats with Rock This Town. Which is just so romantic, I mean. Oh, God, yeah, I mean, you know, that's a slow yeah. jam. I just like... <laughs> um... And the cartoon that they use in this one, I, I don't know the exact name of it. I'm not going to know the exact names. So, um, it's all these teenagers getting ready to go out 
on the town. Sort of, you know, sort of think of it as the song at the hop, but the cartoon version of it. That would be the best way to describe it, I think. If those of you who know that song. Right. Because that song's even older. Even older than us. I do know what song you're talking about. Thank you. Uh, after that song, we go to commercial, and a bunch of ladies try out Hanes underwear and Fruit of the Looms, and they tell us that Hanes has the better band. Ah. Um, I can... When you can well, they don't... Do they still do competitors? I don't pay too much attention to commercials, but do they still blatantly say competitors' products? I don't know. They, they might. They might in a joking way. I don't know. Um, as a matter of fact... I know, as a matter I do know that we and McDonald's have a very heated rivalry on Twitter. As a matter oh, of yeah. fact, I'm currently wearing Hanes underwear, so you guys can hear the band. Here, I'll do it again. There. <laughs> not paid for by the Haynes Corporation. Right. They did not pay me. So they did not pay him for that. No. I so should. all you wrestling fangirls out there, if you were wondering. <laughs> I wear Haynes. There you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, then I can ask you a question, Danielle. Yeah. Do you remember long distance calls? <laughs> because AT&T does a commercial about long distance calls. Oh, right. oh and I'm, yeah. Oh. And they used to make, and they're so emotional. Oh my god. <laughs> and you know, people crying, and oh my god, I'm on the phone with, try explaining that to teenagers now. Oh my god, try to explain that to kids in general. Try explaining that calling somebody was that emotional. <laughs> or that oh my god for <laughs> like okay cause like I remember my dad like cause when we would go up to Pennsylvania sometimes and we'd call the house we'd have to use a card to help so we didn't have to pay extra I remember um, my best friend in ninth grade lived in Laurel which is still the same state it's in Maryland, but she had 301, and we were 410, so she was technically long distance. And whenever we would dial her num, I dial her number. There would be like this operator going AT and T. Like, um, so I used to have to ask my parents special permission to be able to call her, which is hilarious because we lived in the same state, we went to the same high school, we saw each other. Like, oh man. But it would cost long distance because she lived in a different area code. And we had the, um, and I had to ask for me. But I could talk to my other friends. Like, well, I mean, for, it, I still had to ask permission, but, like, it wasn't, it didn't require my parents to hesitate. Right. Because it didn't cost them extra to call them, so. Right. It's kind of, yeah, how that happened. Long distance. Uh, then we have a commercial for Red Lobster Seafood Trios. And they still have those now. They do? They still do. Wow. I haven't been to a Red Lobster in like 25 oh, yeah. years. We, 
my mother lives near Red Lobster, and we go to Red Lobster at least once a year. So yeah, we still go to. And they, it's called the Ultimate Seafood Lovers Trio, or whatever. But it's they, they still exist. Is it still six dollars and ninety five cents? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Then. Then we get a commercial for a special Smurfs movie that's going to air Saturday morning called Smurf Quest. Oh, God. If that ever resurfaces, my dad will never let me. I used to love the Smurfs when I was a kid. I absolutely... And apparently I used to wake up every morning, Saturday morning, watch Smurfs and freak out. So my dad, for years... When I was like teenager, and even when I was in the, in early adult years, would constantly not let me live down the fact that I loved the Smurfs. So whenever um, Cartoon Network would have like Cartoon Theater or whatever, they'd air a Smurfs Christmas every year, and I would always fall for this because I was such an idiot. My dad'd be like, "Danielle, your show's on." <laughs> oh, God. Thanks a lot, Dad. Um, oh, you know, I, I have to mention this real quick before we go along. Um, this yeah. week at work, one of my kids came in. He had a, a wool hat on him. It was white. Right. It looked like a Smurf's hat. It did. I was like, he's wearing a Smurf hat. So-and-so's wearing a Smurf hat. I, oh my god, it was so... Danielle, next time I see it, I'm going to take a picture and I'm going to send it to you. And you tell me yeah. if it's a Smurf hat or not. I thought you were going to say the kid didn't know what you were talking about. I was like, well, they... I was like, I would... It hasn't been that long since they did a Smurf. Oh yeah, other funny story. Okay, other funny smurf story real quick. Yeah, we're going to Smurf my, this up. We're in a Smurf moment. Okay, a few years back, my sister and her boyfriend at the time decided to dress up as um, Papa Smurf and Smurfette for Halloween. Oh, they, like, to the extent that they covered themselves in blue body paint. My sister got a blonde wig and wore a white dress. Unfortunately, this was in... Let me think really hard now. 2011 when they decided to do this or you know 2011 2000 yeah 2011 and unfortunately the big movie around that time was avatar Mm -hmm. so if you go to a halloween party and you see two people covered in blue paint your first thought is they are from Avatar. And my sister and her boyfriend basically spent the entire evening trying to tell people that they were the Smurfs. Hmm. And, like, it just, and it was so sad because they had, like, all, like, covered, and, like, the bathroom was just covered in blue paint. They put all this blue paint on them. And they still, like, I even sent, like, my parents a picture. My parents thought they were from Avatar. Oh, Oh, my. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, we come back from commercial, and Mickey Mouse comes back. 
And now we're going to go to Bambi. And we're going to use Lionel Richie's Hello for this one. And we start with some birds uh, 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 waiting, as the owl says. And, or, yeah, something like that. And he tells Bambi and his friends that it's spring and they're falling in love. And they're like, ah, we're not going to fall in love. We're not going to be that easy. Ah. So, as the song plays, uh, Flower, the skunk, and I thought his name was Blossom. I really did. Boy, that's how bad I am. Um, he's the first one to fall victim to a female. So, as he falls victim, uh, Thumper and Bambi look back, and they're like, You bastard! And Thumper looks back, and he gives the shoulders, like, Sorry! <laughs> that may be the first time in the history of movies where a character gave the shoulders up with the hands out. Like, sorry! Yeah, I... Yeah. Uh... So, Thumper is the next one to fall in love, and uh, his feet are tap, tap, tapity, tap, tap, tap. And um, after that, Bambi falls in love with a doe, and he's jumping like they're in heaven. And what's funny is, every time I hear the song, I think about that joke from uh, I Love the 80s, when they talk about that song and how okay. Sparks is on there. It's like, hello, is it me you're looking for? If so, press one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was such a funny joke. But yeah, Bambi, who is a sorry, one of Bill's very good friends just discovered that Bambi is in fact a boy and not a girl. Yep. And was very, was very stunned to learn this. Yep. And I don't know. It, it gave me a good laugh that day. I just... Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to have to have a talk with that friend. It, it, it was very eye-opening. Yeah, and a lot of people were like, well, yeah. So, oh. I'm glad that that friend has been informed. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Can, I just want to get on, on that real quick of thoughts that of something that it isn't. Uh, I posted, or somebody posted this fake trailer for Friends the movie. And one of the people in our group thought that it was an actual movie that's, that was coming out. And I was like, uh, sorry, that's not a real trailer. Yep, Friends the movie. So next up, Jimmy Cricket comes out uh, after he blatantly tells us that Chip and Dale are our friends. And he talks about the longest lasting relationship in the movies. Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Which, if you think about it, is still true. pretty much true. So they show a few clips of Mickey and Minnie... Before we get a, oh my gosh, how, how are we going to describe this? It is a version of the song, Hey Mickey, or Mickey, sung by Desiree Goyette. Mm-hmm. 
And Danielle, I feel bad. Because when I was a kid, I thought this was the Mickey song. Not the, you know, Tony Basil one. The, uh, I, I, I honestly thought, and then one day it connected to me like, wait a minute. This is not this. They cheated me. So basically... Hey, when I was a kid, I thought that I watched the DTV Halloween and I thought that the cartoon with Mickey, Donald, and Goofy with Ghostbusters... Like, I had seen the movie Ghostbusters, but I thought, like, there was, like, the cartoon... That that song was actually part of that cartoon. Mm-hmm. Because there's a part where Donald goes, "Hi, afraid now go," and I thought that that was like literally like. Hmm. Yeah. And I also thought that that Monster Mash was the actual music video for Monster Mash, but hmm. not realizing that the song was from a sixties movie. Right. <laughs> so. After that, we get a clip of the cartoon where Mickey meets Mortimer Mouse. And for those of you who are not diehard Disney fans, Mortimer Mouse was the original name for Mickey. Mm -hmm. So at least Mortimer got used. At least the name did. Which, if you know that, makes the Mortimer Mouse cartoons even funnier than they actually are. Because... Now, okay, now here's the the weird thing. And again, I'm going to be this as an uncle of four. In this uh-huh. in this cartoon, he has sort of like a Spanish accent. Mm-hmm. But yet when he is on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or other cartoons, he sounds like John Lovitz. It is a very scary thought. <laughs> he goes from like this Rudolph Valentino wannabe to John Lovitz. <laughs> Even though it's not John Lovitz, but it sounds like him. Uh, yeah. I've never watched Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I didn't even know he was on there. <laughs> um, that'll be... Uh, w- when we get you into training to being an ant... Uh, well, we'll get you prepared. Uh, so, while Mickey's having a bit of a rough time, Pluto's having a bit of a rough time because his girlfriend, gotta keep it clean for you people that don't like cursing, you know what I want to say, but I'm not going to say it. Right. Uh, he's heartbroken because Butch kissed his girl and this leads to our next song don't go breaking my heart by the soon to be retiring elton john and kiki d another song that i originally know from full house and not from. Uh, I, terrible. now i have to ask you yeah which is the better version of don't go breaking my heart Elton John and Kiki D, or Elton John and Miss Piggy? I got it. Kiki. Him and Kiki. Yeah. Miss Piggy does have some good songs, though. It's just not. Yeah, just not this particular one. 
So pretty much we see Pluto being a playboy. That, that, that's pretty much the gist of this video. So after we're done with that, we see Donald Duck with a bowl of popcorn at his house and he tells us his favorite Disney movie, Lady and the Tramp. And this goes right to the spaghetti scene. Do I need to say any more? Because mm. it does lead into the song Bella Notte from that movie. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, that, I, that, that, that's pretty much all that needs to be said. Um, yeah. That's going to lead to 30 seconds of magic, folks, right there. Uh, then, after Jiminy Cricket becomes a, a wimp for falling in love with that scene, Mickey Mouse has to remind his ass that, hey, we've got a show, let's keep going. And we are introduced to the newest members of the Disney family, the Gummy Bears. Yeah. And the Gummy Bears get to introduce a video, because this video is all about bears... And this is for Elvis Presley and Teddy Bear. So this is a whole video about bears. And uh, one of the gummy bears said his favorite bear is Bongo the Bear. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't know who Bongo the Bear is, go to your local library. Mm. Or go to Danielle. How do you vaguely remember gummy bears? <laughs> That's surprising because there are some people that really remember that show very well. I vaguely, I remember Snap, but I do, I, like, I've seen it. And we had the Disney Afternoons mm -hmm. book when we were, oh God, this is going to be so embarrassing. I, I've told the story, but what the hell. Why um, not? My sister and I were playing, decided to play church with our Barbie dolls. You played, wait, 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 wait. You played church. We pretended our Barbies were at having a church service. Oh boy, I would love to have seen that one. We, so, we had, and by the way, we were Baptists, so it's a little more livelier. If you see that, I, I, my mother hates that I use this description, but this is, <laughs> Um, if you've ever seen the movie The Blues Brothers, just cancel out the backflips. <laughs> That's basically what it was like. But, <laughs> yeah, my mom gets ticked off when I use that example, but that, that's pretty much what it was like for me. Uh, but anyways, my sister and I are playing church. We had a songbook, the Disney Afternoon songbook, so we used it for the hymns. So. Oh my god. <laughs> So I don't remember how the Gummy Bears theme song actually goes because I was so little when that show was on, so I vaguely remember it. But I do remember it because my sister and I tried to, we just sort of took the words from the song book and we couldn't read music, so we sort of made up. So it's like, Gummy Bears, Gummy Bears, running, running, Gummy Bears, Gummy like this way. Danielle. This is why Danielle is going to be an I. <laughs> Danielle. 
you need to yeah, do this at the wedding ceremony. No. Yes, I will pay you a hundred dollars to do it. Oh my god, no. I'll pay you two hundred. Oh my god. I'll pay you two fifty and I'll throw in a free picture of me. A free picture of you? I know, I've tried to think of something, but I was like like I I've known you for Close God, 13, about 12, 12, 13 years? 12, 13 years. I'm friends with you on Facebook, so there's like, so apparently there's like no way, no other place I can get a picture of you ever <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> like, oh, God. Like, if this were like 1999 with like, I was in high school and we'd like swap, but like I'll give you an instant picture for an Hanson picture, like. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I just buried myself on that one. Uh, back to the commercials. Lynn Redgrave is. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh no! I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no! Go ahead. Yeah, okay. Lynn Redgrave. Lynn yeah. Lynn Redgrave is on for Weight Watchers. <laughs> Yeah, she was a spokesperson for Weight Watchers in the 80s. Um, yeah. Is she related of- Is she related to Vanessa Redgrave? Yes. I thought That's so. Her sister. Okay, I thought I so. Believe- She's also related to Natasha Richardson, which I didn't realize, but yeah. Huh. Then we have a commercial for Sticklet Bubblegum. I vaguely remember that. And guess what? That's also a nine pack. What is wrong with that? Nine pack is a theme tonight. Mm. Oh my gosh. Yep. Uh, let's see. What other commercials do we have there? Because this is where we do get into some. Oh, uh, we got a movie coming on Tuesday night on NBC called Going Ape. Stars Tony Danza and Danny DeVito. Well, that's pretty interesting. interesting. Yeah. Then we get another commercial for Amazing Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a bunch of local ads, I believe. Oh, well, okay. Well, we get one for Hardee's. Would that? I guess we could do the Hardee's one. Yeah. Cause Hardee's, it, it, they used to be here. Hardee's at that time might have been nationwide because I remember when I was a kid, Roy Rogers yep. a lot turned into Hardee's, and then when I was a teenager, they somehow split. Um, there's none near here at uh-huh. all. <laughs> um, the only Roy Rogers I remember going to was like by the airport and it hadn't been like updated in like 10, 15 years. So it was kind of I'm... weird. <laughs> um, there's actually some in Maryland. There's one in Hanover, Glen Burnie, Linthicum, and Pasadena. I thought you were going to say Frederick, because I feel like Frederick is like this town full of restaurants that existed when I was a kid but disappeared. <laughs> no. 
So, in this commercial, we have three old men talking about the latest breakfast sandwich. And one of them is very fascinated by the fact that there is bacon in this sandwich. And the other guy's like, oh, well, there's egg in this, too. Man, look at this bacon. Uh, you know there's also cheese in this? Wow, look at this bacon. Oh, and, oh, there's also bacon in this sandwich, too. Yeah, way to... Oh, and the, and the catchphrase for Hardee's. Where good people go for good food. Where do bad people go for bad food? Mm. Or where do bad people go for good food? Uh, we come back and Professor Ludwig uh, von Drake introduces some of the Cupid wannabes. Because, you know, they're part of love and all that stuff. So that leads to the next song, which is the Eurythmics with There Must Be an Angel. Mm. Okay, now this is where, um, and I should apologize to Danielle for this. The, the, the copy that I sent her for this, the song on this, uh, it got lowered a bit okay. because... I, I think the person who posted this video was a little worried that YouTube would get them for copyright laws and all that. Yeah. Um, but the video itself is basically sort of like the whole Greek mythology, I, I guess would be the right way or... Yeah, that would be it. And... It's centaurs or mentars or whatever trying to hook up, I guess, would be the thing here. So after that, um, Ludwig von Drake is back on the screen. I, I, is it Ludwig? I think it is Ludwig. Yeah. Um, he talks about how animals tried to fall in love, I think, and even brings up how... You know, find the the right guy to find the right woman is, you know, it's a big math formula, basically. And this leads us to a scene from The Sword in the Stone, where uh, Arthur becomes a squirrel, and this female squirrel falls in love with him. And, you know, it's if, if you've never seen the movie, this is a... A very powerful scene, actually, if you consider what's going to happen at the end. So this female squirrel, pardon the pun, goes nuts for Arthur. Again, pardon the pun. So at the end, Merlin, who has turned himself back from being a squirrel, turns Arthur into a human, and the female squirrel is scared, sad, petrified and heartbroken all in one and this basically goes into it's a very good way of doing heartbreak really but at the same time there's a very good strong message in this that 
love is the greatest force in the universe. There is nothing greater. It's it, it is a heartbreaking scene. It's a sad scene, but it's so true even to this day. So the squirrel is sad and we never know what happened to her. Now that would have been interesting. If they ever did Sword in a Stone 2, if Arthur ever meets the squirrel again, that would have been interesting. So Minnie is bawling her eyes out because of that scene. Oh, jeez. And Mickey's like, Oh, don't worry, Minnie. There have been other times where relationships end up being good. <laughs> you know, like Sleeping Beauty. So we get to, um, this leads up to uh, Once Upon a Dream, the love song from Sleeping Beauty. And that's where um, Aurora ends up meeting Philip. Mm-hmm. So after that, romantic mub jub um jiminy cricket talks about how sometimes love is in the heart of rock and roll hey heart of rock and roll why that's our next song (laughs) and it's huey lewis hit the news i know that was a terrible segue with heart of rock and roll and this might be the weirdest song on this whole thing Uh like you, I mean, like, there are some songs in here, or most of the songs make sense being put on here. This might be the weirdest choice. Mm-hmm. Because it's like... Yeah, because Huey Lewis and the News have some romantic songs. That's just not really one of them. This is basically about the heart of rock and roll, the love of rock and roll, really has nothing to do with this. Like, you could have Do You Believe in Love? I would think that would have been a better song to pick. This is it? Um, Do You Believe in Love? Um, I was going to say Heart and Soul, but it has like a line that might not be (laughs) kid-friendly. The the music video is pretty weird. Yeah. um, (laughs) I love that song, but it's a weird video. Oh, I love that song. I was also going to say Stuck With You, but I can't... I don't think that song existed yet. Ish. Well, let's see. This was out in 86. So... And that song came out in 86, so I don't know... Yeah. It it might not have been out yet. Right. But do you believe in love was? So he could have done that. So, yeah, this is... I mean... The song is still good, it's just... This is a weird choice. Uh, so, after that we go to commercial break, and we get an ad for Duracell. Mm. Yeah. And this... Okay, this commercial is so weird. Because it's like, our batteries are 30% stronger than they were two years ago! I'm like, wait, what? What? So you're dissing yourself in this commercial? Is that where we're going with this? Mm. Yeah. Uh, then we have a commercial for Hillshire Farm. Mm. And uh, this one, the son wants them to 
you know, help Hillshire Farm be better by cooking faster. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, then we get a commercial for extra bubble gum. I remember that. I, th I think they're still around. Yeah, they're still around, but you don't see them on TV. Yeah. Excuse me. Alright, uh, then after this commercial, we get the commercial of this entire special. Oh my gosh. Um, so, before I even get to this commercial, the product is Kool-Aid. And I have a story with Kool-Aid. Because I, I was a little young for when my dad made Kool-Aid for my siblings. He mm -hmm. would never put sugar in Kool-Aid. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I didn't taste that. So anyway, this commercial is for Kool-Aid Coolers. Kool-Aid Coolers has 20% juice! Uh, what about the other 80%? See, I remember Kool-Aid, you know, the little animated... See, I'm not old enough to have remembered, and when I first saw a clip of this, I was like, oh, God, that's kind of creepy. I'm not old enough to remember the gigantic picture crashing through a wall. Right, that that, that is not it in this one. That was before... We grew up with, like, the animated picture. Right, Kool-Aid Man. Yeah, because the 90s when, like, they had to put, like, rap into everything and make it cool. Yeah. <laughs> apparently that's the only way you could reach the younger generation was by rapping stuff. Sure was. <laughs> so it's like, Kool-Aid Man! Woo! Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool breeze. It was like Kool-Aid cores or freezes or... It was something or other. I do remember those, though. But, um, yeah. Or, or unwrap a smile. Unwrap the Kool-Aid smile. I remember that. But, yep, Kool-Aid coolers, 20% juice. There was something. No, that's Little Debbie. Little Debbie was unwrap a smile. But Kool-Aid, it was like, oh, show me that smile. That's what it was. Show me that smile, Kool-Aid. <laughs> Uh, so now we go back to Professor Von Drake, who talks about dancing. Because he does the Charleston. He does the Boogie Woogie. And he even does break dancing. Yes, he does break dancing. Well, as did everyone in 1986, apparently. Well, they even made a movie about it. Apparently, Professor Von Drake was not afraid to break a hip. But there's one person who, unfortunately, cannot dance. Mm. And that is Goofy. Oh. Poor yeah. Goofy. So Goofy's afraid to go out on the dance floor. He fakes every reason to not go out. And he buys himself a cassette tape of How to Dance. Mm. Yeah. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and then after that, uh, it goes right into our next song, which is Do You Love Me by The Contours. Oh, yeah. Uh, anybody that is up to our age group that does not know this song, uh, you need some help. 
Especially because how many movie trailers use that song? Exactly. Alone. That movie trailers, I think commercials, every everything. I didn't even know the song was called Do You Love If You and also if you think the song is called Work Work, I you can be forgiven because I grew up thinking it was called that right. and not Do You Love Me. Right. Because, but that like that one and Little Bitty Pretty One, if you don't know either of those songs, then you must have never watched a movie trailer in the nineties <laughs> because both of those songs all the time oh yeah and james brown's i got you i feel good mm-hmm. oh my god yeah <laughs> they um, were not movie trips were not original they weren't <laughs> not like today not today <laughs> um so this music video ends with snow white and the seven dwarfs and this leads into the dwarfs asking Snow White to tell them a story. And this leads right into the next song that they do, which is uh, Someday My Prince Will Come from that said movie. And I think I've said this to you before, I think. Yeah. I've never seen the whole movie, to my memory. Snow White? Yeah. I have twice that I can remember. I've seen... We watched it in my fourth grade class for some holiday or something. I just remember we had a party and Mm -hmm. there was decorations. I, I don't remember what holiday specifically, but I remember watching it. And... Also, that same year or around that time, um, in the early ninety, early to mid nineties, Disney was re-releasing a lot of their older films. Yeah, and we saw Snow White. I remember my dad taking us to see Snow White, so I saw it in theaters. But I haven't seen it since then. No, so I don't remember much of. So all I can remember about it, I remember the whole story, but I can't remember exactly how it fit into a like ninety-minute film. Right. <laughs> now, I, I'm going to be uh, honest with you. Even though I've never seen the whole movie, I think a lot of us have seen how it ends. By this yeah, point, yeah, we know how it ends. And, like, I know what happens. Like, I distinctly remember what happens. It's just that, like, unlike The Little Mermaid, which I've seen dozens of times, I know why the movie's 90 minutes long, because there's all this stuff that happens. But Snow White, it feels like such a basic story that I remember it, but I don't remember if there was stuff in between what I'm remembering, because, you know, it just didn't feel that long. Right. Now, I have to tell you, and I've never said this to anybody. I actually have a theory mm-hmm. to how, like, that that final scene. I actually have a theory yeah. because, spoiler alert for those who've never seen this movie, um, the prince kisses Snow White. She wakes up happily ever after. But I have a theory. Mm-hmm. Snow White's still dead. 
And when she sees that big castle with the prince at the end, that's the pearly gates of heaven. So in my wow. in my mind, that's the ending. Like the ending is she is still dead, but she's just gone to heaven. You know? I know that seems a little far fetching and a little out of reach, but you know, I gotta have at least one theory. Mm. So think about that next time you watch the movie, folks. So we go to our last set of commercials and we start with orange juice. Mm. And just not just any old f- orange juice, it's frozen orange juice that you, you know, you freeze, it's concentrated, and it's from Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah, remember that. So, orange juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get, uh, we get a cereal commercial, and it's for shredded wheat. Remember I talked, or, yeah, shredded wheat. I was talking about that earlier. It's spoon size. From Nabisco. Bing. Yep. Yep. Okay. Then this next commercial, I actually remember from the videotape when I was a kid. George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola, and Michael Jackson got together in 86. And they made a ride, or footage for a ride, for Disneyland and Disney World called Captain EO. I've heard of that. Well, this is the trailer for it. It's in 3D. And it's going to be at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. And it's going to start real soon. As a matter of fact, I think it started that week. Um, let me look this up real quick. Okay, so Captain EO. Okay. Uh, Captain EO is a 1986 American 3D sci-fi film starring Michael Jackson, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, that was shown as at Disney theme parks from 1986 to 1996. The attraction returned to the parks in 2010 as a tribute to Jackson, after Jackson's death. The film was shown for the final time at Epcot on December 6, 2003D. The plot, if you're curious, folks, tells the story of Captain EO, Michael Jackson, and the ragtag crew of his spaceship on a mission to to deliver a gift to the supreme leader, played by Angelica Houston, who lives in on a world of rotting, twisted metal and steaming vents. Captain EO's alien crew consists of his small flying sidekick Fuzzball, the double-headed navigator and pilot Ivy, played by Debbie Lee Carrington, and Odie, played by Cindy Sorensen, robotic security officer Major Domo by Gary Depew, a small robot Minor Domo who fits like a model module into Major Domo, and the clumsy elephant-like shipmate Hooter, played by Tony Cox, who also manages to upset the crew's missions. Dick Sean plays Captain EO's boss, Commander Bog. 
Among arrive, upon arriving on the planet, the crew is captured by the henchmen of the Supreme Leader and brought before her. She sentences the crew to be turned into trash cans and Captain EO to a hundred years of torture in her deepest dungeon. Before being sent away, oh. Captain... Before being sent away, Captain E.O. tells the Supreme Leader that he sees the beauty hidden within her and that he brings her the key to unlock it. His song, We Are Here to Change the World. Oh, boy. Yep. The two robot members of the crew transform into musical instruments and the crew members begin to play the various instruments. As Hooter runs toward his instrument, he trips over E.O.'s cape and breaks it, stopping the music. The Supreme Leader then orders her guards to capture Captain EO and his crew. Hooter manages to repair his instrument and sends out a blast of music, providing EO with the power to throw off the guards. He uses his power to transform the dark, the dark hulking guards into agile dancers who fall into step behind him for a dance number, which leads into the song We Are Here to Change the World. As EO presses forward toward the Supreme Leader, she unleashes her Whip Warriors. Whip Warriors. Two cybernetic defenders, each with a whip and shield that can deflect EO's power. The others are all, all run away, leaving EO to fight with the Whip Warriors alone. EO is trapped by a closing gate and is preparing for a last stand as both the Whip Warriors draw their whips back for a final blow. Fuzzball drops his instrument and speedily flies over to tie the two whips together, causing the whip warriors to be thrown off balance. Pardon me. And giving EO an opportunity to transform them as well. With no further obstacles, EO uses his power to transform the remaining four henchmen, not yet unleashed, and they, the transformed whip warriors, and the other dancers press forward and dance. Captain EO then flies up to the Supreme Leader and transforms her into a beautiful woman, her lair into a peaceful Greek temple, and the planet into a verdant paradise. A celebration breaks out to another part of me as Captain EO and his crew triumphantly exit and fly into space. Mm. This whole thing is 17 minutes! 17 minutes and it cost 23 million dollars to be made mm. and this did open on September 12th 1986 mm. oh my so now we go into our final song and the final artist is Miss Whitney Houston mm. And she sings the song, You Give Good Love. Wow, that is kind of adult. <laughs> uh, yeah, because all it is is a bunch of young adult cartoon characters in this one. Because they... Try to think. Um, yeah... Given what they had at the time, yeah, because a lot of her other songs, like I Want to Dance with Somebody, didn't exist yet. So, I get it. Um, but no, I thought this was a good final 
you know. And saving all my love for you is a little. Well, the video's kind of controversial. Yeah. Um, yeah. Isn't isn't this a little bit before the greatest love of all? No, it's after. Really. The, uh, the greatest love of all is kind of weird because to me, growing up, that never was a love song. I always associated that with um like kids. Because um, that was a song like that kid that when I was at least when I was growing up like some every school had like some child who like sang it during the talent show or during some sort of school program and yep. or when they were trying to do a like a public service announcement to raise funding for inner city youth they always played that song so I always felt like. I never really thought of that as a love song. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is just basically showing some of the adult uh, Disney characters, sort of the one-offs, basically. Yeah. Um, but, no, I thought this was a good song and a good choice to, as far as music videos go, make it the final one. And then uh, we end with uh, Mickey and Jiminy doing some cheap goodbye song, which I never really got. And that's it. But during credits, we find out that coming up next on NBC is Popeye Doyle, starring Gene Hackman. And Ed O'Neill. And then... This coming week on the Today Show, Lonnie Anderson. And, uh, and a preview of Miss America. Uh, and, yeah. How many people know who Lonnie Anderson is now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know who she is. Yeah. I, I, she actually, at that time, she was more or less known for who she was married to. Right. I, I was about to yeah, ask Yeah, Mrs. Burt Reynolds. Right. But in our house, because of who my dad is, well, not who my dad, that makes sense. <laughs> because um, of no, who your dad is. No, because my dad um, loved the 70s, late 70s, early sitcom WKRP in Cincinnati. We knew who yeah. Because of that. So. <laughs> and that does it for DTV Valentine. Um, okay, so for the little bit that you saw of this. Yeah, I, well, I, also, um, you helped put some of it together with the description. I, I think it was good. I feel like there could have been some better song choices made in some cases. Mm -hmm. I do feel like, um, the Madonna song, I think, was an excellent choice at that time. Right. Because given what they had to work with. There weren't, I could only think maybe Crazy for You is probably the only other option they would have had song-wise. Because a lot of her really, really good romantic songs didn't exist yet. So Crazy for You would have been the only other one right. they would have had. And that would have been probably the other choice. Yeah, because they can't do Like a Virgin. <laughs> oh, my kids! Okay, right, and I'll play Madonna. She's in the wedding dress. They could have done Lucky Star. Lucky Star could have worked, too. 
and then maybe borderline no that's kind of sad uh yeah that but that was a good choice um they could have done but yeah Huey Lewis the news do you believe in love probably would have been a better song right but I think what they were trying to do at that time was go for the most recent hit mm-hmm but the heart of rock and roll. That's like the odd one in this. Just like the heart. Uh, oh, no, they could have gone with the power of love. What? Yep, they could have. They could have gone with the power of love. I forgot about that song. Um, and that was a huge song. Plus, it was in Back to the Future, which had just come out like That's not too long That previous this. summer, yeah. Yeah, so... Maybe they couldn't get the rights to it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, The Power of Love. That's a good song. I mean, although every time I hear that song, I think of Marty McFly skateboarding down the street. <laughs> but, um, you know. So, um, yeah. Okay, I, I agree with you. I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed this as a kid was the song selection. Because when they get the, at the time, modern artists, the Stevie Wonders, the Lionel Richies, the Madonnas, the Stray Cats, these are songs that are within about a five-year radius, about. Um... I think Elton John one was a little bit older, not too much older. Ten years. Yeah. And then you had, uh, you know, you had the Contours, Betty Everett, and Elvis, which are at that point 20, 30 years old, but they fit for the time. Especially because they were in the midst, or about to be maybe in the midst of... It seems like every decade we have what I call the 20-year trend, which is, like, stuff that was cool 20 years ago is suddenly cool again. Mm-hmm. So, 60s music... Was cool in the 80s, yeah. Cool. Like, right now, we're going through 90s stuff is cool now. <laughs> which is kind of... Which is going to be weird in 20 years because... Well, I mean, we do have some stuff. <laughs> so, I guess. Um, I think overall, and the the main thing with not only this one, but the other two DTV specials that were on NBC, that they did so well, mm-hmm. was the footage selection. Yeah. I think, you know, whoever was in charge of all this... They had to pick the right cartoons to the right songs. And put them on beat. Uh-huh. Which, which, like I said, why, that's why when I was a kid, I thought some of them were actual music videos. Uh-huh. So, like Mon Mash, I thought that was like literally the dancing skeletons. I thought that was... Right. So, and then Old Black... Oh, oh, Black sorry, Magic. No, 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 go ahead. 
Yeah, watch if you watch the DTV Halloween special, Old Black Magic, you hear the song Old Black Magic, and you hear the sounds in the song round and round. I go down and down. I go and and you watch the cartoon that's playing as the sound. It looks like it's from the cartoon. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, and and obviously they can't really do this kind of thing anymore on television for the legal reasons. But that's why we have YouTube. Because not only can people who have these videos, and I'm not going to say who put this video up because I don't want that person to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, because they had the footage and were able to put it up on YouTube. And also some of the DTV clips, the DTV videos that used to play on the Disney Channel, those are up. But also, now, today, people are able to make music videos using these cartoons. And... And, and, and there's and there's going to be something that I mention real quick about one particular person in a moment. But all in all, I was so glad when I found this because this was my childhood. This special means so much to me because that's what I would watch all the time as a kid. And I think that special... Yeah. And one of the DTV video, or the one DTV video I had as a kid, is the reason why I fell in love with the music that I did. Yeah. You know, long before I got in, you know, before I got into hard rock and metal and all that. Yeah. So, this special means a lot to me. Yeah. And that's how I am about, like, we did last year we had from disney with love Mm -hmm. that was my special we had it on a tape with a disney christmas special called from all of us to all of you which is really old it's from the 60s right it was re but we got it because it was being rerun on like some sort of pledge drive Mm -hmm. but it's from the 60s in fact it's specifically if you want to 19 66 I, I say this because they say here's a preview from our new movie The Jungle Book so it's from the 60s right and um and then uh so that to me was like huge um and then uh what was the and then the DTV Halloween special that was that was mine those were my three specials um, and I watched them year round. It wasn't just for that holiday, mm-hmm. but my dad did used to play from all of us for all of to all of you every Christmas. And I remember one year, <laughs> my mom bought us Home Alone for Christmas, and my dad put in that. And she's like, "No, no, 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 no. Don't watch Home Alone." <laughs> yeah. but, um, <laughs> so. um, and 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 you know, I'm glad we're doing this. Because in between uh, the last episode and the one you guys are listening to now, I found a YouTube channel. And I don't want to mention his name only because 
this person has done so good with these videos. I don't want him to get in trouble. And I don't want him yeah. to lose his YouTube privilege. But he has made many music videos using Charlie Brown cartoons. And they are so good, Daniel. Actually, as a matter of fact, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to send you a link to my favorite one. And so when we're done recording and when, you know, we get off of Skype, you can watch this video. And it's just done so wonderfully. Mm -hmm. So check him out. And I'll put uh, I'll put the link up in our Facebook group so you guys can watch one of his videos. Um, but it's really well done. So, uh -huh. um, oh boy, do you want to do? Because we've gone a long time. Do you want to do a movie, an album, or do you want to save that for next time? We could probably save it for next time because you know me, I'm constantly checking to see, did I do this? Right. All right. We'll yeah, do that. It's like almost 11 o'clock. Yeah, it's late. We're old. We're, we're old. We're old. I mean, it's going to take every ounce of strength for me right now to stay up and watch SNL. So. Yeah. So, uh, so let's wrap this up. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at NostalgiaCrew15. Join our Facebook group at Nostalgia Crew. Uh, just type that in, Nostalgia Crew. That's all it is. And add yourself, and you'll be added right away. And if for some reason you can't find it, click on the link below, and you are right there to join the group. And don't forget to visit my, my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Bill's World of Podcasts, where your donations help support not only this show, but other podcasts that I do. Um, next time, which I'm hoping will be in three weeks. I'm hoping. It might not be. Who knows? Uh, we'll get back together and we'll talk more nostalgia-related stuff. And our, our anniversary is coming up. Yes, it is. Three years uh, in April. It's three. I couldn't remember. <laughs> That's sad. I knew it was coming up. I couldn't remember how many years. <laughs> three years. Holy three cow. Years. Yeah. All big right. Three. Yep. Oh. The big three. Yep. This show's going yep. to preschool. <laughs> uh, I was going to say there's no This Is Us fans. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. But yes. Yeah. Three years. <laughs> three years to be a right. podcast is a long time. No. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will talk to you all again next time right here on Nostalgia Crew.